What is up, people? We are back. Hey, we all need a break once in a while. This is The Attack. I am yours truly, Sean Williams. Joined, of course, by the Sergeant-in-Arms, Mr. J.P. Mayer. Sean, I have a very important question to ask you. Shoot. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Hmm. Tough call. Klondike bars are delicious. They are. They're a guilty pleasure. Ah, absolutely. Hey, I have a few vices in my life. That happens to be one of them. Yes, but we're, we're not here to talk about um, the wonderful joys of a Klondike bar or any other various desserts. We're here to talk some wrestling. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about with that one. Yes. So, with that being said, people, first topic. So... We were a couple weeks out, well, almost a month out from WrestleMania, and I figured the first topic we'd throw out would be evaluating Seth Rollins thus far as the Universal Champion. Let's break it down here. Raw actually has a champion who is showing up on a regular basis, and unlike Brock Lesnar, who needs his ventriloquist dummy and Paul Heyman to talk for him, Seth Rollins can handle the microphone all on his own. And, thanks to the superstar shakeup, we're actually getting Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles at Money in the Bank. But, JP, here's the top questions. One, how long do you see Seth Rollins holding the belt for? Two, are we getting this match way too soon? And three, how would, how would you evaluate Seth Rollins thus far as the Universal Champion? Well, for the fact that we're actually seeing the Universal title once a week instead of once every three months, is already a plus. Do I think that they, that WWE blew their load a little too early doing Seth AJ? Absolutely. But also, do realize that the WWE treats Money in the Bank like a fifth, like a fifth big pay-per-view. Agreed. It, it has raised up or risen up into becoming one of the elite. So I will agree on that one. Now, what about how long do you see Seth holding on the, to the belt? Um, well, seeing that the Universal title basically has no... Um, um, Credibility? What's... Yeah, no cred right now due to it being um, held by the formerly held by um, Brock Lesnar. And by the way, Brock, good riddance, you're not going back to MMA. <laughs> Do us a favor and retire from WWE too. Agreed. But I, I'm gonna say give him. I say give him to like the Rumble next year. Let that title actually get some credibility. Let it get defended on every pay-per-view. Let it get it defended once or twice on Raw. 
Yeah, I agree on that, those points. I do think that we should see the belt defended a lot more to help repair the credibility that was lost thanks to Rocky Five Brock Lesnar. But, and yeah, I do like the idea of him holding on to it till at least Royal Rumble. However, or at most the Royal Rumble, but if, however, if you do have it be an early time, earliest I would say would be SummerSlam. If you have to. Otherwise, yes. let Seth run away with it because, you know, I loved uh, as lackluster as Raw was this past Monday. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the contract signing segment between him and AJ and him pointing out that unlike AJ, Seth actually beat Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but in AJ's defense, that match between AJ and Lesnar was really good. True, and it kind of like what Samoa Joe had said about Brock Lesnar in, in this sense that it, Brock Lesnar didn't beat AJ Styles. He survived and he escaped AJ Styles. Because let's face it, Brock got by the skin of his teeth with that match. Yeah. Now here, I got the, the lineage of the Universal title up on my screen right now. So you have six different champions, seven reigns. Two vacation, two vacancies due to legit things. Finn Balor separated his shoulder or did whatever to his shoulder at SummerSlam in the match to get the Universal title. Then you had Broman with his with the title being vacated due to his leukemia. Now, questions I th- I throw out is. If Finn doesn't get hurt, how long does he hold the title? Does Kevin Owens ever get a title reign? Does Bill Goldberg ever get a title reign? And reign number the second reign of Lesnar, does that ever happen if Roman doesn't if the leukemia doesn't come back? Let me answer that last one because I think wholeheartedly the answer is no. If Roman hadn't relinquished the belt because of his leukemia. Brock Lesnar wouldn't have gotten another sniff at that belt. I think Brock Lesnar only got the belt because it was a last resort because, and desperation because they didn't trust Braun Strowman or he was hurt, well, probably both, to have him carry it. And I don't think they ever intended for Brock to hold on to that belt long term. So, to answer that question, no. Brock would never have gotten that belt back if Roman hadn't gotten sick. Now, as far as Finn Balor, that's an that's a harder one. I don't know if he would have held I don't know how long he would have held the belt for, but it definitely would have gone at least a few a couple of months before he dropped that belt. And as far as Kevin Owens goes, I will say maybe he would have gotten it. Because I think he is one of Triple H's pet projects and one of his acquisitions since he started gaining more power. So I w- I'd say, yes, he would have gotten a, a shot at the belt and would have gotten a title reign. Now, as far as Goldberg, you know, I think that was more to just... They thought the nostalgia would just would draw, and that's the only reason I think they did it. And they pro- probably because, well, 
in retrospect, with why Kevin Owens' title reign didn't work. He was basically caught in the shadow of Chris Jericho and the list. So that didn't do him any favors. Yeah. But thus far, I will... I think overall I will say about Seth Rollins as Universal Champion, so far, so good. Yeah. I mean, all the problems with Raw's ratings and everything right now, of all the things to blame it on, Seth Rollins as the champion definitely is not one of them. No. So, if you want to blame... If you want to know what to blame on why Raw is being lackluster? <laughs> Everything else. How about that? Um, here, let, let's talk about how um, we had the Revival shaving each other's backs. Yeah, and all I can say, to quote uh, Conrad Thompson, who books this shit? Yeah. I mean, I gotta, I can't help but think they better have given Dash and Dawson a hell of a bonus to do that crap. Well, apparently, that was a form of punishment because they rejected the five-year, five hundred thousand dollar a year contract. And that's interesting. We'll see what happens on that one. I mean, if that's the case, who knows what they're doing? Who knows what's going to happen with the revival? Now, with that being said, let's jump into the next topic, which this—that's that time of the time of the show, people, where we cross the line. Bitch, what line? All right, stepping aside from WWE for a moment. Congratulations goes out to Brian Cage, who. At the TNA pay-per-view, I don't even know what the heck, I think Rebellion, who knows. I think it was Rebellion. Um, won the TNA world title from Johnny Impact. But his celebration was short-lived after he was laid out by the newly debuting Michael Elgin. And also there's reports of a possible back injury that was suffered during his match with Impact. Because I guess there was reports of Brian Cage at the hospital afterwards. So, and while we're still on the topic of Rebellion, LAX survives Full Metal Mayhem against the Lucha Brothers to win back the TNA Tag Titles. So, JP, wherever you want to start on that one, since those three, those three parts are talking about uh, Rebellion... What do you think of Brian Cage winning the belt? And what do you think of TNA acquiring Michael Elgin? Brian Cage winning the Impact World Heavyweight Championship is huge. I have all the respect in the world for Brian. He is a monstrous man. I met him once years back. He's also very nice, very humble. He's engaged to be married to Melissa Santos, who I, who's very hot. <coughs> Excuse me. Michael Elgin. I am not the biggest Michael Elgin fan. Um, I'm sure personally he's a great guy, but 
as a wrestler, I've just not been overly huge on him. Yeah, well, I've, back in the early days of the podcast, I did get the chance to actually interview Elgin um, when he was still with Ring of Honor. And in terms of in terms of his in ring ability, it's I think the term generic is probably one word to describe it. He does he is a powerhouse and he does have a great deal of physical strength. Personality wise, I just felt it was has been his one weakness. Now yeah. One word I would use to describe Brian Cage and his title win is overdue and deserving. He he is a phenomenal talent, and he is somebody that, as much criticism as I've given that promotion, he's somebody that you put him as the post, the the face of that company, and he will take it far. Agreed. So that's why I was all in, I'm all in favor of him being the champion. Now, as far as a match between him and Michael Elgin, you know what? I got no issue with it. Because regardless of what I think about Michael Elgin, I think that Brian Cage will make that match at, at the bare minimum a four-star match. And that's more of a testament to the ability of Brian Cage. Now, I did see the post-interview... Um, with Elgin, where he said, it's not personal, saying that if Impact retained the title, he'd have laid him out too. That this is all about, this is all business and all about him taking the title. Now, switching over to the tag match with the Lucha Brothers and LAX, I gotta say, nostalgia-wise, I was always more, lo I was always loyal to Homicide and Hernandez carrying the title of LAX. However, and I've said this a long time ago, and it still stands to this day, Santana and Ortiz have definitely earned the right to be called LAX. Absolutely. The, the matches those two put themselves through, circling all the way back to the concrete jungle match that they did with Homicide and Hernandez, where they basically stripped the ring bare. Yeah, that, that match was fun. That was one hell of a match. <laughs> there are a few matches that make me squeamish. That happened to be one of them. Because I'm amazed somebody, nobody got themselves killed in that match. Yeah. And all I could say to TNA was, very good, don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> um, but, you know, all four of those guys are just incredible. Both the Lucha Brothers and LAX. I mean, they are. There's no words that could pop, truly fathom how good the, these four guys are. And say this for AEW. It was. It's a hell of an acquisition them landing the Lucha Brothers, and it's one that will definitely pay off for them. Absolutely. Now. There's a match that I would love to see, which I don't think is going to happen due to them being in AEW. 
LAX versus the Young Bucks. You and me both would love that match to happen, but unless some kind of interpromotional thing between AEW and TNA happens, I don't think it's going to happen. But it, w- it would be an instant five-star match. Oh, God, yes. And realistically, looking back at the history of this promotion, I don't think there's ever been a bad Full Metal Mayhem match in the history of that promotion. No. Not at all. Yeah, but again, once again, definite congratulations to Brian Cage and, of course, to LAX. All right, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. This is Brian H. Waters, one half of the wrestling realm. Also, the host of Break It Down with Brian H. and Wrestling for the Culture. You can find on all your podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You name it, we're there. And make sure you subscribe to the wrestling realm on YouTube. Now, back to my boys, The Shark and J.P. Mayer. And we're back. So, on to the next topic. Back to WWE. Ronda Rousey at the moment is taking time off to start a family with her husband. However, WWE, when asked about it, it doesn't seem like they're stressing all that much about her not being around. Even going as far as to the belief that she's, quote, done her job. I mean... WWE's kind of coming off, and maybe it's just me looking at it, but they're kind of coming off like her usefulness has come to a head. So, realistically, JP, is this the right attitude to have, and should the WWE even be any in any kind of rush to have her, have her back? Nope. Nope. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this, and I know Taz is on his podcast, said a lot about it. But, again, I mean, she thinks it's hard, the the commitment to that schedule is hard now. She becomes a mom. How hard does she think it's going to be? Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, she had to understand what kind of commitment she had to give to commit to this. Absolutely, and with being in the UFC, you only fought once or twice a year. Yeah, and... So, you had the time there, so if you wanted to go make babies, you could do that. And in all honesty, the revolution for women's wrestling... It began without her, and it'll continue to go on even without her. I mean, she changed the landscape for women in UFC. I make no—I have no misconceptions about that. I'm just saying that in terms of pro wrestling, she doesn't want to be there, then don't be there. Because I guarantee you there's plenty, plenty of others who sat, who they had to... Pump the brakes and just take a seat while she was getting pushed to the roof for the women's division on Raw. Yes, but I'm going to say this. Ronda Rousey was there full time. 
She did house shows. She was on Raw. She did pay-per-views. It's not like she wasn't there. Was she deserving of the spot that she had? Maybe. But there's no... There's no women in the WrestleMania 35 main event without Ronda Rousey. Agreed, which is why I understand when they said she did her job. That they wanted the big name that would get that would garnish the media attention towards having a women's main event, and they got that. So there's no mistaking that. But Exactly. Now, as far as was she deserving of the spot she had, I think now if you rephrased it to was she deserving of getting it as soon as she did, then I would say probably not. Yeah. Because, I mean, given, I mean, I we talked about, I compared Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Now, is Shayna as much of a household name as Ronda is? No, of course not. But the difference between the two is Shayna worked her craft to get to the spot she's in right now. And I have no and I have no doubts that when she's moved up to the main roster, she'll be just as dominant as she was in NXT. But I will say that um I will say that maybe, it, like I said to you last week, or the last episode, maybe it was a good thing that we never got Asuka versus Ronda Rousey, because frankly, I think Asuka would eat her alive. She would wrestle circles around Ronda that Ronda wouldn't be able to keep up with. Yeah, but in the same sense, since being moved to the main roster... The WWE has no idea what to do with Asuka. Jim Ross had said that he feels there's nobody that's more of the women that Asuka is just totally underutilized in the WWE. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, the only saving grace is I'm hoping that with her and Kyrie as a tag team, maybe it leads to something. But who knows? I hope so. Now, next next topic, and is actually speaking of the women, it's about Becky Lynch, or as she's called now, Becky Two Belts. So, pretty much straight to the point on this one. Three questions: One, how long should Becky be holding both belts? Two, does having her pull double duty run the risk of burnout or oversaturation? And three. Which belt should be dropped first? Well, I think I'm going to make that fairly quick for you. When's the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? May 19th. Oh, Kane's favorite day. Yep. She's dropping dropping one of the titles there. I think she's going to drop the SmackDown Women's title to Charlotte. You're going to separate... Charlotte and Becky. Becky's going to retain the Raw Women's title against uh, Lacey Evans. You know, 
even though I hated the whole runway walk thing, I gotta say lately, in, when she's gotten physical, I've enjoyed what I've saw, what I've seen from Lacey Evans. And she will have her time. It's just not now. Yeah. Now, what about the? I mean, does having her hold on to two belts run the risk of? burning the crowd out on Becky Lynch. No, not at all. She is so over, they could put her on NXT as well, and the crowd would still love her. I could see that, but also, I I just think you shouldn't have her hold the two belts for too long. Yeah, she's not going to hold them very long. Yeah, so if they have her drop one of the belts at Money in the Bank... And it's to and it's the SmackDown belt to Charlotte. I'm all in favor of that. Because frankly, I think I could buy Charlotte beating Becky Lynch a little bit more right now than I could buy Lacey Evans beating her. Yeah. And I'll say this about Lacey Evans: at least she, and we talked about this. At least she's using the woman's right as a signature move, but not a finishing move. Thank Jesus. Yeah, because we all, I mean, we both are on the same boat of how we feel about punch finishers. Albeit, in other words, people, they're stupid as hell. Now, if the big show throws a punch, throws his knockout punch, yeah, you might get knocked out. Well, that's a different story. I mean, look at this, look at that guy's hand. Yeah, big show's hand is the size of my head. Yeah. Now, next topic, people. We already talked about the positive. Here's where we go with the negative. So where we ask, who writes this crap? Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What, I can't count on you people? All right, first topic is, well, this also goes to TNA, and this was regarding the match between Rich Swan, who, by the way, has signed a multi-year deal with TNA. Yay. And his match with Sammy Callahan, and I'm just going to say this. A Hirakarana on Legos? Seriously, do you guys have no regard for the health, for the physical health of your guys? I mean, yeah, I've seen guys go through flaming tables and on thumbtacks and barbed wire, but, and given this, by comparison, sounds pretty tame, but you're dumping a guy from the top rope onto hard plastic for crying out loud. Now, to be fair, Sammy Callahan is a former deathmatch wrestler. He's done a lot worse. True. I'm just saying that when you're a promotion that's trying to gain gain footing and get yourself back up, you probably don't want to risk the health of your guys with something like True. this. I mean, yeah, we talked about the Full Metal Mayhem match, but that that kind of stuff in wrestling is kind of standard. I mean, it's not something that's too out of the ordinary. But something like this, I'm just I'm just like, okay, maybe you shouldn't push your luck with something like that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying on that one. But next Next part of it, 
is, and this kind of goes with some of the moves in the Superstar shakeup. When WWE moves somebody to one roster or another, try and make up your goddamn mind. Seriously, you moved Andrade to Raw, and then you move him back to SmackDown. Given, we all know, him and Charlotte are a thing, so that's probably the reason why they did it. Not to mention, they probably thought it looked better on paper than it did when they actually did it. And, of course, they moved Aleister Black to, to SmackDown. And with him, but, you know, I'm just saying that you shouldn't change your mind on making moves like that so quickly. Now, Alistair Black was the unfortunate victim of this, due to the fact that he's married to Selena Vega, who is Andrade Cianamas' manager. And Andrade Cianamas is pork chopping Charlotte. So, and I love how they're saying that Fox wanted to focus on the Latinos when, in all actuality, they just wanted Andrade and Charlotte to ride together um, so Andrade can play with the silicone. Right. And what. One other thing that I wanted to talk about is actually outside of WWE. And first off, congratulations to PCO and Brody King for acquiring more gold. Who they've won at the Crockett Cup, the NWA tag titles. And last I checked, they're still currently holding the six-man tag titles with with Marty Skrull of as they are the team of Villain Enterprises. But here's my issue. Why is it that they have no problem giving them gold, and yet we're seeing Jack squat for for Marty Skrull? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a contract issue. I don't know if it's just something else that's going on. But come on. Why? All due respect to Brody King and PCO, who are great talents, so is Marty Skrull, so why the hell aren't you giving him gold? The only thing I could possibly think of is um, they're afraid he's going to bolt once his contract is up. They probably want to be sure he's sticking around. But in truth, I think if Marty Scroll was going to leave, he would he would have done it already. No, because he was still under contract to Ring of Honor until the end of this year. Okay. And now going back to WWE, rumor there's rumor that I saw that WWE may be considering yet another name change for Hanson and Rowe. And for the record. I'm not calling them their new names, and I'm going to, and hey, I'm calling them the War Raiders, so they should be lucky I was even calling them that when they changed that, because frankly, I still preferred War Machine. But, two questions. What? Why is WWE so indecisive on what to call these guys? And second, why does Vince have such a hard-on for the name Viking experience that he won't let that go? Because frankly, people weren't buying this name 
for a tag for a tag team, they sure as hell are not buying this name for a finishing move. I don't know. I mean, the biggest problem with even having Viking in their name, it's overkill. We don't need them to call themselves that to know that they are. And frankly, when they say Viking experience for one of their trademark moves, it's laughable. It doesn't make that move, whether you name it for a tag team or name it for a finishing move, it doesn't make that name any less stupid. I just hate the way WWE is mishandling talents like Hanson and Rowe. Now, well, the next part I was going to talk about, I'm kind of switching the order here because I think you and I got a lot to say about the other one. But Yes. But first off, memo to WWE. Kofi Kingston's journey to becoming champion is complete. He's already the champion. Let's see him start to act like one. We don't need to keep hearing about his journey all the way to this point. I mean, we saw Kofi Kingston snap and just cut loose on Kevin Owens on SmackDown this week. We need to see more of that. Look, it's no easy ride from this point. Kofi's the champ. He's going to be a target for everybody else. So, JP, what the hell are they doing? Like, don't get me wrong. I, I was there at Mania. I was happy when... When Kofi won, now let him defend the title. Let let let's see the fire that that gave him the two hour long runs in gauntlet matches, the forty minutes in the elimination chamber. Like let's see that the story time is over. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said. Let's see that same fire that we saw when he was in his journey to become the champion, let's see that same guy that we saw at Mania win the title. Because I feel like we're not getting that right now. Nope. And lastly, and JP, I know you're salivating over talking about this. What the fuck is Leo Rush thinking? Five years, $300,000, and he's saying, no, I want double. Could All I can say about Leo Rush, can you be any more of an immature moron? Uh, where do I begin with this one? So, Leo Rush was an indie wrestler that wrestled a lot around here. I got to see him wrestle, bless you, Christopher, a couple times. I, I talked to him. He was very nice. Um, I was excited to see that he got signed to WWE, uh, went to NXT. But, like, the second he got there, with the whole the whole Emma thing. Just like, I'm saying to myself, are you kidding me? 
Leo. He's flushing away a golden opportunity that he's been given that many on the indie scene or even in NXT that are probably having no chance of ever getting moved up anytime soon would kill for. Yeah. And asking for double of what he's offered, he's good, but he's not that good. 24-year-old piece of gold might be on the unemployment line Yeah. Like It's like how badly does he want that money? Bad enough that he's willing to risk them firing his ass? Like and he, apparently he's been he's been the subject of a lot of heat. I was reading an interview with Mark Henry. I think I read the same article as you, so I know what you're talking about, but go ahead. Mark Henry said when he first started in the WWF at the time, he was responsible for... Axel doesn't like Leo Rush. Clearly. Um, but Mark Henry was responsible for helping Yokozuna. Getting his bags, getting him a drink, whatnot. Right. And Mark Henry did that with pride. Absolutely. Look, Mark, Hen Mark Henry was happy to be there. He would do what he had to do. So, the way I see it is, if they asked him to, say, carry Bobby Lashley's luggage, do it. If they ask you to, like, get Bobby Lashley a drink, do it. Bobby Lashley's the one who's been in wrestling for... For 15, 16 years. He's a former four-time TNA champion, two-time Intercontinental champion in WWE, U.S. champion. Like, the man is well-respected. He might not be a good guy right now in terms of storylines, but he is a damn good person. He's earned his credibility. If he's got an ego, he's earned the right to have one. Leo and, Rush hasn't earned crap. And if you you said you read the same interview, you saw that Austin did the same thing. He would do what was asked of him. Rock would do the same thing. Like, it's not hard. And here's the th other thing to Leo Rush. You think they can't find another one of you? Please. I mean... Two guys who were moved up from 205 Live to the main roster. Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander. And you know what? They're making the most out of it. You're not hearing any stories of heat with those two. I mean... Same, same goes for Buddy Murphy. Yeah. Buddy Murphy started out in NXT, did the tag team thing, and didn't really work out quite as well. Then he went to 205 Live, reinvented himself. Now he's moved up to SmackDown. And I guarantee you he's grateful for that opportunity. Absolutely. Hell, the I don't know whether WWE had the plans to sign Cedric Alexander, 
But the second that you have that crowd at the Cruiserweight Classic chanting, please sign Cedric, and you saw Triple H come out in front of that crowd and shake his hand, and later he officially signed Cedric Alexander, you, there's nobody that's probably more grateful for getting the opportunity than Cedric Alexander. Oh, God, yes. So the fact is, Leo Rush thinks he's this hot commodity. No. The ego that he's got right now and being an immature jackass, the only thing you are, Leo, is expendable. I would not be surprised if by the end of this year, Leo Rush is not in the WWE. If I was a betting man, I'd take that wager. All right, so with that being said, next topic. Just going to break out the, the rest of the topics for the night, people. We saw the Hardy Boys about a week or two after winning the tag titles on SmackDown due to Jeff Hardy's knee injury having to forfeit said tag titles. Well, that was kind of pointless. And, of course, well, because he had to get involved with it, Lars Sullivan ends up showing up and attacking them. JP, it's kind of a mixed, mixture of the two on this one, but I'm finding Lars Sullivan on the main roster about the same as I found his presence on NXT. Lackluster and <laughs> just a bust. He's basically Snit, Snitsky 2.0 with a beard. Yeah, but Snitsky was good. The other problem I have with Lars Sullivan, his finisher, the freak accident. Basically a side slam that we've seen numerous people do. The Rock did it with the Rock Bottom, and at one point we saw Kozlov and Ezekiel Jackson do some kind of side choke slam kind of move. So, in other words, in a bunch of areas, he's not giving us anything new. So, he's basic. I mean, you put him in a match against a guy like Braun Strowman, who basically did the same thing, and Braun would eat him alive. So... WWE, unfortunately, has not given me any reason to be invested in this guy. Mm, no. And sidestepping from WWE again, well, sort of, double or nothing later this month. The Rhodes brothers collide. And for Dustin Rhodes, probably considers it one last ride. As he and Cody Rhodes will collide, as Dustin announced he would... He had been given his release by the WWE. What do you make of this one, and what do you think we can expect out of these two at Double or Nothing? I honestly think you will get the match of the night between Cody and Dustin. I would agree with that. I mean, personally, even when in his WCW days when he was the natural Dustin Rhodes, I was a fan. And you know what? I'm probably, and I said this to you, I'm one of the few that actually dug the King of the Road match. 
and it was not because it was any kind of five-star classic. I dug the uniqueness of it. Yeah. But in terms of the technology and everything, it was probably a match that was done way, way before way before we had the technology to pull off a match like that properly. In terms of the That's camera true. angles and everything. But I agree. I think, I think Dustin has the ability, and we all know Cody has the ability, to give us a five-star, not only a five-star match, probably a five-star plus just scale-breaker type of match. Dustin's going to go out there and show that he can go still. And who better to demonstrate that with than his own little brother? Yeah. Who has definitely made a name for himself all on his own. Yeah, Cody Rhodes, since leaving the WWE, has been one of the best wrestlers in the world. An NWA world title reign, a Ring of Honor world title reign... Um, the defa- the What Culture for Wrestling internet title reign, um, Global the, Force, Next Gen, like... Even being part of Bullet Club. Titles. Being a part of the Bullet Club. He, he, he made him... Defeating Kenny Omega at Supercard Super of Honor last year. Mm-hmm. He's made himself a hot commodity. He, he did what the Young Bucks have done. And you know what? It paid off. Yeah. Now, speaking of AEW, there I keep seeing posts every now and then. I even Somebody even pointed out, this was posted months ago, about AEW and Stu Bennett, the former Wade Barrett, but, but nothing to actually confirm it. And I got to be honest, I think if AEW had the interest in him, it would have happened already. Yeah, I think we would have heard it by now if Stu was going to AEW. Now, personally, he was... I mean, I was never the biggest fan of him. I mean, I thought I saw something with Bad News Barrett, but WWE ended up dropping the ball on that one. Because even when it was starting to get over, they found a way to screw it up. Yeah. Now, I think Mark Madden had had an idea of how it could have worked in the beginning. Was they could have done vignettes. Like, an example that he gave was a player goes to his football or basketball coach saying, Coach, did I make the team? And the coach goes, wait right here. And in steps in Bad News Barrett and says, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. That would have been better. Yeah. Everything else that they that he did prior to that felt forced, and not even not partic- not even particularly funny. But again, I think if WWE or I'm sorry AEW had the interest in Stu Bennett, it would have happened already. Yeah. I just I don't think and. I don't see how signing him would be of any benefit to them. But um, one other match that took place at Rebellion was Gail Kim versus Tessa Blanchard, which Tessa Blanchard won 
And afterwards, we saw a handshake and even a hug between the two. So I gotta wonder, are we seeing a face turn between Tess of are we seeing a face turn for Tessa Blanchard? I don't know. I think what that was was just a sign of respect. Possible. Because I thought, because uh, I thought one thing, one thing I saw or read about, kind of hinted like maybe they were doing a heel turn on Rosemary. Which, if that, that would, if, I would be sad if. If they turn Rosemary heel, she's one of my favorites right now. I think as over as she is, that would be a mistake. But I think if they did it, which I'm not in favor of it, the only counterbalance to that would be if they did, in fact, turn turn Tessa face. Yeah. And speaking of women, of course, we saw another, yet another intergender match involving Scarlett Bordeaux at Rebellion, which I got to ask, why is TNA so obsessed with intergender matches? Um. So I gotta be honest, I'm not particularly fond of the idea of having a man and woman fight in pro wrestling. And given, I've seen plenty of times where I've seen women take bumps that they probably shouldn't have by a guy. I saw Kevin, Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen do the package pile driver on Maria Canellis. Oh, I remember that. I've seen Francine take total elimination. Yes. I've seen Beulah McGillicuddy take the 3D. Yes. And I've even seen Maria Canellis take a double super kick from the Young Bucks. She took a triple super kick, I thought. Triple super kick, yeah, I stand corrected. And I've even seen a super kick, a super kick done to Taylor Hendricks. Hell, I've even seen Candice LeRae take a take a super kick with a spiked cleat. Ah, uh, yes. But there's a difference between spots and a full-on match of a guy and a girl beating each other up. And. Call it, call it being a prude or whatever you want, but I'm truly not in favor of the idea. And it's one thing that if that's what got Eli Drake fired, I'm kind of siding with him on it. Uh, Eli Drake... Uh, I don't know about the whole Eli Drake thing. That, again, I said if that was what got him fired. But set that part, set him aside. Again, I'm just not in favor of have, of making intergender matches a regular thing. Oh my good God. So, I'm going to rewind a little bit to when we were talking about the revival. Oh, no. And how they had to shave each other's backs. Oh, Lord. So I'm on Twitter right now. And 
D Cooley underscore 94 said at WWE must be sponsored by at Manscaped tonight because it's three times now they've mentioned it at uh, hashtag raw Scott Dawson dash Wilder WWE Usos. So Manscaped tweets out, hey, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder, we saw you guys manscaping on Raw, and we'd love to partner with you and give you guys the right tools for the job. So, Dash, at about an hour ago, oh, hell yeah, does that mean, does this mean I don't have to shave his back for him? Oh, Lord. (laughs) I am dumbfounded. (laughs) But back to what I... Back to what I was asking about. Do you think TNA has really has to make intergender matches a regular thing? Yeah, maybe not all all the time. But once one every once in a while isn't that bad. If it serves a purpose story wise, and like once in a while, maybe. Uh, I can act, I can let that slide, but in terms of making it a regular thing, no. It's just like I wouldn't be in favor of seeing that happen in UFC, having a man and woman fight each other. But of course, stage stage fighting versus actual fighting. I think that I think we can see the difference in that one. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now. One last thing in terms of who booked this shit. What in the bluest of blue hells are we watching with what they're doing with Bray Wyatt? Wowie, zowie. I mean, even I mean the first one was one thing, but then seeing that second one, all I could think of to quote the rock. Sweet cream on an ice cream sandwich? What in the blue hell is this? Look, I'll give Bray Wyatt credit in this. The guy looks in fantastic shape. He has lost a ton of weight. I'll give him all the credit in the world. I'll even give him credit in the fact that he's trying his best to make it work and showing adaptability. I'll give him that credit. I just don't see this working in the long term. Yeah. I mean, and you know, here's the thing is that in the beginning with the character of Bray Wyatt, there was nothing wrong with him. I just don't get why WWE is so against the idea of heel stables that they just let them fall apart. Sanity could have worked. The Wyatt family we know could have worked. And WWE managed to screw all, all of them up. I mean, De- Bray Wyatt was a WWE champ at some at one point. Yes, but Randy Orton burned his house down. Yeah, and let's not forget all the stupid effects during that match with Bray and Randy Orton. Oh my god, I fucking hated that. I, I hated it, I loathed it, I despised it. And then that that stupid match they did between Randy and Bray, the haunted house, whatever the heck, whatever the heck um, that match was, you know what I'm talking about. The House of Horrors. Yes, it was basically their attempt of doing what Matt and Jeff Hardy did with the 
the ultimate deletion. And it and it was just laughable. And I even watched sometimes the first vignette for the Wyatt family and thinking of how it could have worked. Or it looked promising. And WWE screwed it up. Just like they screwed up Luke Harper, and now they're just paying to let him, they're paying him to sit out. But I just, I can't help but think at this gimmick that it's going to backfire. We went from a cult leader looking reminiscent of Robert, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear to basically Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood from Hell. I mean, what else can we say about it? It's a combination of Mr. Rogers, Pee Wee Herman, and Steve from Blue's Goose. In a truly psychotic fashion, of course. Yes. But I don't know what your verdict is on it, but for me, I'm just going to say it's not going to work. They've done worse. Much worse. So, see what happens. And even though I didn't list it on the topics, I did want to, we should definitely talk about money in the bank. Money. Money, 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 money. I wish I had that soundbite of uh, Pink Floyd's uh, money. But, um, anyway, um... For the women and for the men, if you could pick, well, make it fair, even if you can't think of, can't narrow it to one, two people that you see on both sides winning that match. Um, for the men, I'd like to see either Andrade Or, or Drew. Yeah, for a, the women, I only have one on there, and it's Ember. I agree on that one. Um, Ember Moon's the only one I could see winning for the women's side. Sasha Banks wasn't mentioned, so we know she's not, well... As far as we know, she's not coming back anytime soon. She may get the Luke Harper treatment. And may, they may just pay her to sit out. But um, on the men's side, that's a tough one. I, I love a, I love Andrade and I love Ricochet. But I think Ricochet and Mustafa Ali are just going to be the spot monkeys for that match, and that's about it. Yeah. But if I had to, I'll actually, there's only one guy I see winning that match. It's got to be Drew McIntyre. I mean, yeah. Finn's in the match, but usually the guy that's already got a mid-card belt heading into this match doesn't end up winning. No. 
So that kind of X's them out on that one. But before this year is out, I think the inevitable goal is that Drew McIntyre ends up being the universal champion. It would not surprise me. And it wouldn't be an unwelcomed idea either. I mean, would, would you even have a problem with Drew as the Universal Champion? Because I sure as hell wouldn't. Absolutely not. Not only would he be able to carry in the matches, but he would be able to cut the promos as a champion. And fran- oh, absolutely. And frankly, him being a champion has been long overdue since he came back from injury. And, you know, even though some think that it was because he got hurt was the reason why he dropped the belt to Andrade, I think they just felt he was too big to just keep on NXT. Yeah. So that I think the plan was to have, if he hadn't gotten hurt, the plan was probably to move him up a lot sooner because they felt he was ready. But the injury messed things up, as it tends to always mess things up. Yeah. But it should be interesting with what we get. I mean, so far we got those two Money in the Bank ladder matches. We got AJ versus versus Seth Rollins for the Universal title. Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. We have Becky Lynch pulling double duty, defending both belts. One against Lacey Evans, one against Charlotte Flair. And we have The Miz with a chance at retribution against Shane McMahon in a steel cage. Yeah, let's see who Shane decides to bring with him. Yeah. Although I will say, though, if... And I'm pulling for Kofi with his title reign, but if it ends up that Kofi's moment is just kind of one and done, maybe we would have been better off if The Miz challenged Daniel Bryan. I don't want to have to say that because I've always been a fan of Kofi Kingston, but I'm hoping... I'm hoping Kofi pulls a turnaround. I think so. I think he's too good not to. And from what I'm hearing, Daniel Bryan's cleared, so he should be back fairly soon, possibly even before Money in the Bank. So hopefully we can get a Daniel Bryan uh, Kofi rematch. True. All right, so with that being said, we're going to wrap things up. JP, you got to let these people know where they can find you, and if you got anything to plug or any closing thoughts, hit them. Um, Closing thoughts, uh, Ruby Sky, a.k.a. Ruby, Ruby Hardy, does not like Leah Rush. <laughs> um, but follow me on the Twitter page and the Instagram page. At JP Mayor eighty, um, check out Variety Bites, the show that Sean does on his own without me because I only watch TV like once a week. Go see Endgame. It was really good. I don't watch Game of Thrones. 
Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Variety Bites. Well, first off, follow me on on Twitter at SeanMusPrime81. The Instagram account for this for this network is at Sean's underscore podcast. Got quite a few things I'm going to talk about, including Avengers Endgame, which, as we speak, has now reached number six on the all-time all-time box office box office seller in seven days. Yeah, and as we speak, it's on the. They're saying by week by the weekend or by the end of the weekend. It'll have broken two bill two billion dollars in the span of ten days. It'll have broken two billion. Yeah, that's that's how good of a movie it is. And I will give and I will give my thoughts on that and how Marvel's whole handling of how they've done it has been just a stroke of genius. I'll also be talking about um, how. Couple of the shows that I've wa- that I watch, namely Riverdale, Flash, Gotham's final season, and Arrow, have basically been firing blanks. And I'll I will give praise to a certain actress on Supergirl, Nicole Maines, who real life who's real life transgender and playing the first transgender superhero, Nia Nall, aka Dreamer. And what an impact that she's had on this show, especially the last episode where she did a speech of the character coming out as transgender, which was just very moving. Also, we'll talk about some an event that I had done last went to last Tuesday, which was a hell of a thing for me. And I'll break down both Game of Thrones and the NBA playoffs. I'll try my best to say a little something about the Stanley Cup playoffs, but after Vegas got eliminated, I don't have anybody to root for in this one. Yeah, I'm surprised Vegas got eliminated. Yeah, and to make things worse, they had to lose to a team I don't like in the San Jose Sharks. Okay, so... Yeah, right now... Um... Endgame just needs to get another, like, $7 million, and it'll, and it'll jump to number five past Jurassic World. Well, what I was hearing when I was, um, when they were talking about on, uh, on the show, The Ralph Report, which I have mentioned, they, that the co-host Eddie Pence saw went to see it for a third time on a Monday night, and it's still selling out on a Monday night. Oh, I believe it. No movie has ever had this mo- kind of momentum, and you know what? I think it will knock Avatar down. You got still $1.1 billion to go. At the rate it's going, I think it could very well end up making that. But yeah, the simple fact that in seven days you're at one point six six four billion. It's insane. But but is it undeserving? 
Oh, hell no. I will never say that about this movie. And after they passed Jurassic World, which they will probably do very, very soon, they got the Two Billion Club. Number four, Infinity War. Number three, Force Awakens. Number two, Titanic. And then number one, Avatar. Oh, I can't wait to see James Cameron get that swift kick in the ass he deserves. Now, I, I just want to say, if they were, if they were going off inflation, Gone with the Wind is number one. Yeah, but I doubt they're going with that one. No, I'm just going, I'm looking down on Wikipedia. Highest grossing films as of 2017 adjusted for inflation. So, if Gone with the Wind debuted in 2017 and sold the same amount that they did in 1939, they would actually be at $3 billion, $3.7 billion. Right. But also, I'll, one other thing I'll also be talking about on Variety Bites is why I never thought I would see the day where I'd see a movie that looks so bad it makes Detective Pikachu look like The Godfather. Um, and to be fair, um, the directors, the production company of Sonic the Hedgehog have come out and said that they're redoing it. Like, they're going to be changing Sonic's design. Well, it can't be much worse. That's for sure. I don't know if the design was entirely the problem. I think it was everything else. I mean, the one quote I've heard several times about Sonic the Hedgehog is, it looks Super Mario Brothers the movie bad. I mean, this movie was basic. I mean, from what I saw with that trailer, it was basically <laughs> Super Mario Brothers Double Dragon type bad. Okay, and real quick, a um, little bit of movie trivia here for you. Shoot. We're in a little bit of a side episode of Variety Bites right now. Call it a sneak preview. Yes. What was the last year? that the number one movie of the year did not gross $1 billion. Hmm. Interesting. If you get it right, I'll, I'll send you a cookie. You got me, man. What? Let's hear it. The year was 2007. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End off of a $300 million budget only did $963 million. To, to loosely quote um, uh, Looney Tunes back in action, that's not a billion. Nope, not a billion. Now, I'm, I'm looking here. I'm still on the same Wikipedia page. Shit, I should have just filmed Variety Bites with you talking movies. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. Okay, so 24 years ago, the number one movie, grossing movie of the year was a tie, Toy Story and Die Hard with a Vengeance. 
did $300 million each. Three, oh, 300 and almost $400 million. The next year, Independence Day did $817 million. Follow that in 97 with Titanic with the $2 billion to go right back down to $553 million the next year with Armageddon. Like, god damn. My, how the times have changed. Yes. God, like, just seeing that since 2008, they're, the top grossing movie of every year has done at least a billion dollars. Yeah, well, Marvel was pretty br- brilliant with the hype and everything leading into this movie. No, I'm just... Oh, they don't... I was, oh, wait, oh, did I just click on, oh, shit, I clicked on, I'm trying to see if last year, if any other movie, last year, you had five movies do a billion dollars, two of which were MCU. Hmm. Interesting. Damn. Avengers Infinity War, $2 billion. Black Panther, $1.3. $1.34 billion. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, $1.309. Incredibles 2, $1.2. Aquaman, $1.1. Damn. And this year, two MCU movies have done a billion. Yeah, and we still got one more to come out, so who knows how how that will do. I have a feeling that's going to do a billion, too. But it's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to what they're making with this one right now. No, I think it's going to pass Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's at 1.12 million. You mean billion? Because it's made a lot more than a billion. Billion, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well... We'll see what happens, though, with with Spider-Man when that comes out. But in the meantime, I want to thank you guys for listening to this show. Make sure you check us out on... Make, your, make sure you check us out on... Uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and various other platforms. If you like what you hear, feel free to donate to this show so JP doesn't have to keep warming up the vocal cords for nothing. Yes, I will serenade you in song. How, like, that's just reason enough to to donate. Yep, so with that being said, we'll be back next week. Until then, this has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, and people, we're out of here. JP, say goodnight, JP. Goodnight, JP. He was born perfect. And just like the great white shark, this guy has never had to.